morning. Uh, Dan wanted me to let you guys know that, uh, to remind you all that he is pastoring. He's giving the message up in Shelton this morning. He is not at home in mourning uh, over, <laughs> over the Mariner's loss last night. So he's like, let them know I am, I am okay. He's actually doing really good. So, uh, Life Spring, I love us. I do. I love us so much. Um, we were, a lot of us from uh, the staff here were off in Spokane this last weekend at our Foursquare District Conference, which comprises Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Montana, a little bit of North Dakota, and Wyoming, and Alaska. I don't think Alaska, but maybe, maybe someday. Um, but it's a huge geographical area. There's a ton of churches represented um, and this year the theme was on mission, and finally Foursquare decided it was a good time to start highlighting our local, small, missional, on-mission, awesome churches, and guess who got to get up and talk about his local, small, missional, on-mission church? Pastor Wayne Ferris from Nine Mile Falls who, as you know, was planted out of this church. And up in the, in the middle of his speech while he's talking about all of the crazy things that his church is doing, which, by the way, it's crazy how much his little body of believers is doing over there, he gave us a shout-out. And he said, Live Spring Foursquare, who has sent us, who has sent ten churches in Ghana, who has sent a church up to Fredrickson, who has done all of these amazing things, and it was just like the Super Bowl. It was like, yeah, we made it. We finally made it. But I just want you to know, I love us. I love our people. I love what we get to do. I love what God has called us to do. I love the mission that we are on. So that's all. Just a little love gush this morning. All right. Well, those of you that have been asking, guess what time it is? Joke time. time. All right. Those of you that don't know, when I... When I give the message. I like to start off with a little bit of dad jokes. Um, one, it kind of calms me down. I think, too, I always say it kind of sets the preference for this may be the best part of the sermon, so we'll just get it all out of the way. Um, okay, you guys ready? All right. Uh, I tried these out on Dan on the way over, and he, he said they were pretty funny. So, um, Okay, I thought the dryer was shrinking my clothes. Turns out it was the refrigerator all along. Yeah. Truth. What do you call a factory that makes okay products? What? A satisfactory. Oh. Why do seagulls fly over the sea? Because if they flew over the bay, they'd be bagels. Yes, bagels. I have a question. When two vegans get into an argument, is it still called a beef? Okay, this one, get your thinking caps on. It might take a second. If you don't get it, ask your neighbor. Maybe they'll explain it to you later. But, okay, you guys ready? I ordered a chicken and an egg from Amazon. I'll let you know. <laughs> okay, at least a few of you got it is what it sounds like. So that's good. All right, all right. Um, you guys, I had a whole intro written here that I had to delete because... I was going to be celebrating the Mariners' win of the ALDS series, and I was going to talk about the moment 
that the M's beat the Blue Jays while we were up at the women's retreat and how it was the best retreat ever because Diane Jordan and Tara Henderson and the lady from the kitchen at the hotel and I were all high-fiving and whooping it up in the hotel lobby celebrating. But I can't tell you that because the Mariners lost last night and are now out of contention. But they lost in 18 innings, you guys. For those of you that can do math, that's two full games. <laughs> two full games. I, Dan was at the game last night, and I'm like, well, you got your money's worth out of your ticket. That's for dang sure. But um, in all seriousness, the women's retreat was amazing. And as fun as that was getting to watch the Mariners game, um, it was awesome because the Holy Spirit showed up. And he gave a word to his women, and we left different than how we walked in. Right, ladies? He's so faithful. Um, why don't you guys get out your Bibles um, in whatever format you brought with you today? And we'll get going here. When we're obedient and say yes to God, you guys, uh, we can do things that we can't even think up in our natural minds. And you know where we get to read example after example after example of God doing amazing things through ordinary people simply because they said yes? Acts, which is also part of the Bible, the scripture. You need encouragement of God using the ordinary to do the extraordinary? Right here. Feeling disqualified because of your past mistakes from years ago or even yesterday or maybe this morning? Guess what? Just start reading and see what God won't do with a repentant, obedient heart. Okay, so one amazing person we get to read about, to learn from, to be encouraged by is the Apostle Paul, and we are in the book of Acts. People, we are rounding the corner to the finish line of Acts, but we still have a few more chapters to go. And what a book, though, right? What a book. We started out with Peter and the beginning of the church at Pentecost, and then And then the church is growing, right? We see the church growing out. But then the persecution comes. But what happens to the church when the persecution comes? Does it shrink? Does she stay where she's at? No, we see the church go out into all the areas, reaching all of the people groups. And then we've been reading about lately as we've been introduced to Paul, who started out as Saul. And then what a radical supernatural encounter and conversion that he had with and to God And then lately we've been reading about his missionary journeys and the subsequent uh, not-so-amazing encounters with people that are pretty mad at him. And last week Jesse went through chapter 23, and so today we're going to pick up where he left off in chapter 24. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity to come and just be together, first of all, Lord, in a corporate environment where we get to hear from you, but in such a uniquely individual way to each one of us. Lord, would you open the eyes of our heart, the ears of our heart this morning, Lord, to hear what it is that you're speaking to us this morning, each one of us individually. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we're going to read the whole chapter, and then we're going to circle back and just kind of um, look at some observations and applications. So it'll be up on the screen if you don't have your Bible, but let's read. Chapter 24, verse 1. Five days later, Ananias, the high priest, arrived with some of the Jewish elders and the lawyer, Tertullus, to present their case against Paul to the governor. When Paul was called in, Tertullus presented the charges against Paul in the following address 
to the governor. He cleared his throat first, I'm sure. You have provided a long period of peace for us Jews, and with the foresight have enacted reforms for us. For all this, Your Excellency, we are very grateful to you. But I don't want to bore you, so please give me your attention for only a moment. We have found this man to be a troublemaker who is constantly stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He is a ringleader of the cult known as the Nazarenes. Furthermore, he was trying to desecrate the temple when we arrested him. You can find out the truth of our accusations by examining him yourself. Then the other Jews chimed in, declaring that everything Tertullus said was true. The governor then motioned for Paul to speak, and Paul said, I know, sir, that you have been a judge of Jewish affairs for many years, so I gladly present my defense before you. You can quickly discover that I arrived in Jerusalem no more than 12 days ago to worship at the temple. My accusers never found me arguing with anyone in the temple, nor stirring up riot in any synagogue or on the streets or the city. These men cannot prove the things they are accusing me of doing. But I admit that I follow the way which they call a cult. I worship the God of our ancestors, and I firmly believe the Jewish law and everything written in the prophets. I have the same hope in God that these men have, that he will raise both the righteous and the unrighteous. Because of this, I always try to maintain a clear conscience before God and all people. After several years away, I returned to Jerusalem with money to aid my people and to offer sacrifices to God. My accusers saw me in the temple as I was completing a purification ceremony. There was no crowd around me and no rioting. But some Jews from the province of Asia were there, and they ought to be here to bring charges if they have anything against me. Ask these men here what crime the Jewish high council found me guilty of, except for the one time I shouted out, I am on trial before you today because I believe in the resurrection of the dead. At that point, Felix, who was quite familiar with the way, adjourned the hearing and said, Wait until Lysias, the garrison commander, arrives, then I will decide the case. He ordered an officer to keep Paul in custody, but to give him some freedom and allow his friends to visit and take care of his needs. A few days later, Felix came back with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. Sending for Paul, they listened as he told them about faith in Jesus Christ. And he reasoned with them about righteousness and self-control and the coming day of judgment. Felix became frightened. Go away for now, he replied, and when it is more convenient, I'll call for you again. He also hoped that Paul would bribe him, so he sent for him quite often and talked with him. And after two years went by in this way, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus, and because Felix wanted to gain favor with the Jewish people, he left Paul in prison. Okay, so I really want to focus on this interaction between Paul and Felix at the end of the chapter here, but... First, I want to give you just a little biblical context into the trial that we just witnessed. Um, if you remember last week, Paul was before the high council, which is comprised of a lot of Jewish religious leaders and some Sadducees and some Pharisees. And he said some things that made them all really angry, both at Paul, but also at each other. And the chaos and violence were so great that they had to remove Paul from the situation so he wasn't killed. 
And then it turns out there was a plot by some Jews that took an oath to kill Paul themselves, but that plot got foiled, and the Roman commander secretly had Paul escorted out by a heavily armed guard up to Caesarea, where he was going to be presented to Felix. And then at the end of the chapter last week, Felix says, I will hear your case myself when your accusers arrive. And that's where we find ourselves at the beginning of chapter 24. So here come the big guns, right? Like this time, they're bringing Ananias with them. He's the high priest, as well as some of these Jewish elders. And then also there's this kind of weird character named Tertullus. We're like, who is this guy? Tertullus was a hired gun. He was basically somebody who was a professional orator, which means he spoke for a living. And he brought along, he was brought along in this case simply for his talent for words to see if he could twist and craft a defense or an argument for Paul's accusers. So listen to his words again here. He says, You have provided a long period of peace for us Jews and with foresight have enacted reforms for us. For all of this, Your Excellency, we are very grateful to you. But I don't want to bore you. Are you hearing the drama? I don't want to bore you, so please give me your attention only for a moment. We have found this man to be a troublemaker who is constantly stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world, everywhere. He's a ringleader of the cult known as the Nazarenes. And furthermore, he was trying to desecrate the temple when we arrested him. But, you know, go ahead, examine him yourself. You'll find out that we're right. I love the Net Bible Study Dictionary summed up this little passage perfectly by saying, um, quote, his speech before Felix was marked by considerable ingenuity. It begins with an adulation of the governorship of Felix that was little in accord with history, and I added, because Felix was not a friend of the Jews, and he had a very salty past that was not marked by integrity at all. And then they continue, the subsequent argument is an example of how a strong case may apparently be made out of the skillful manipulation of half-truths. So what a strong, upstanding man these Jewish leaders have now brought before Felix to lock up their case, weak and unsubstantiated as it is. So he's basically standing up there trying to assassinate the character of Paul because he knows there's no legal ground for them to be, uh, for him to be arrested. So Felix hears all of this, and then he's like, okay, okay, Paul, it's your chance to give your defense. What do you have to say for yourself? And then Paul stands up, and he goes on to basically dismantle every accusation they have just levied down against him, but one, and he says, you know, but I guess you've got this one thing against me that I shouted out, I'm on trial because I believe in the resurrection of the dead. And then it says in verse 22 and 23, at that point, Felix, who was quite familiar with the way, adjourned the hearing and said, wait until Lysias, the garrison commander, arrives, and then I will decide the case. He ordered an officer to keep Paul in custody, but to give him some freedom and allow his friends to visit him and take care of his needs. So Felix has basically put off making any decision here, right? This was actually pretty typical behavior of him. Um, This is a self-gain move. This is purely out of selfish motives. If he decides to release Paul, 
Because I think he completely sees through the accuser's arguments, right? He, I don't think they're fooling him for a second. But if he releases Paul, he's going to have a Jewish uprising on his hands. And that's not good for a governor to have, um, to not be in control of his people in his province. But he also doesn't want to hand down a sentence to Paul because that would also put him in the middle of conflict. So what does he decide? He decides, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to sit on this and I'm going to wait for somebody else to come and make this decision for me. And at the end, uh, verse 27, it says, After two years went by in this way, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. And because Felix wanted to gain favor with the Jewish people, he left Paul in prison. So again, he makes no decision. Most articles that I read believe that Felix never even sent for Lysias. And that it was basically lip service to just kind of pacify everybody in his uh, district. So now we get to the part of the passage day I would like to really look at together. And I like to call this part the table of opportunity. So here we have said table. Table of opportunity. Yes. And I want to look at it from both seats. So you have Paul's seat here. And then obviously this is going to be Felix's seat. I want to read that section again, starting in verse 24. A few days later, Felix came back with his wife, Trisilla, who was Jewish. Sending for Paul, they listened as he told them about faith in Christ Jesus. And he, as he reasoned with them about righteousness and self-control and the coming day of judgment, Felix became frightened. Go away for now, he replied, and when it is more convenient, I'll call for you again. He also hoped that Paul would bribe him, so he sent for him quite often and talked with him. So, When I look at this passage, I picture them sitting at a table. And on the table, you got you know, your bread and your hummus and grapes and some feta. It's a classic Roman snack table, basically. And this chair here, Paul's chair, this is the opportunity to give a word from God chair. Give a word from God. And this one over here... This is the opportunity to respond to a word from God chair. So give a word, respond to a word. If we're going to learn anything from anyone about being prepared to take this seat, it's Paul. The guy literally wrote a book, actually a few books about this. What can we learn from Paul about opportunities to sit here? Well, let's look at some scripture, of course, from the books that Paul penned. About just that. So I want to read in Colossians 4. This is Paul speaking, and he says, Devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. So, point number one is. Pray for opportunities. Paul was so intentional about asking the Lord to put him in places and with people that he could share the gospel and the goodness of Jesus Christ with. Paul was with people all the time, all over the place. But he was always praying for those God-ordained, on-purpose encounters where he would have the floor and seize the moment to share with that particular person or people what God wanted to say to them in that particular moment. 
I love the NIV version of this verse put it, puts it this way. It says, and pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message. So pray that God will open doors for you to share or give a word and that you will be ready when it comes, which is my second point, prepare for opportunity. Be ready at all times. Prepare for an opportunity. So it would seem like a good idea if we're praying for God to give us encounters with people to speak to that maybe we should be ready for it when he does because he will, right? If you pray for something, God's going to give you that opportunity. So maybe you're like me and you like to be really prepared by going through multiple scenarios in your head of, well, when this happens, I better, I'm going to prepare my speech for that opportunity. And when this happens, I'm going to prepare my speech for this opportunity. And so um, maybe something goes like this in your head. Well, everybody always talks about um, being led to somebody in the grocery store, right? So if I'm a... If I'm being led to aisle three at Safeway, God asked me to do that. How would I start the conversation off? And I was like, well, maybe I could tell him a joke. That seems to work. Maybe something about, um, is your refrigerator running? Like I could lead with that. And so on and so forth. And you kind of walk yourself through and then multiple pretend encounters. And that way I kind of can make myself feel better, like, okay, I'm ready. But I'm here to tell you that is a terrible way. That is a terrible way to prepare yourself to share what Jesus wants you to. Because you know why? You're completely taking out the Holy Spirit who just wants you to get out of the way so that he can speak life to that person through you. Amen? Amen. And he never does it the same way twice. Have you noticed that? I have news for you. However you think in your head that this thing's going to go down, however you think the Lord's going to give you an opportunity to speak, it's not going to go like that, right? It's going to be more like you're just walking along and all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh, we're we're doing this now, right here. Okay, I didn't, this was not one of the ones I had in my head. Jeez, I need a minute. Um, It's more like that. It's more like, The other night when I got a text from a friend at 10 o'clock at night that said, how do you deal with sadness? I'm struggling. And I was like, oh, I'm real tired. I've just been at conference all day and I'm just getting ready for bed. But this is my opportunity. But it's not like what I had been praying for. It's just not going to look like how you think it is. Do you you think that maybe when God told Paul or kind of started putting it in his heart that he was going to get the opportunity to share the gospel with like the upper Roman echelon, the government authorities? You know, I think maybe Paul, if he was like me, he would have thought that maybe he was going to be invited to speak as a special guest, a highly respected, well-educated, well-spoken. He used to be this really highly regarded Jewish leader and Roman citizen, that that's how that was going to go down with an invitation. Do you think in his wildest dreams he thought it would be in custody over a snack table waiting for the injustice to continue for another two years before he'd even get to another trial? So be ready to give that word whenever, wherever, and to whomever the Lord asks you to. And you do that by being in stride with the Holy Spirit, right? By listening to him. By knowing his voice so well that even a whisper is going to stop you 
and it's going to turn your head in the direction that he wants you to see. Pray in the spirit at all times, Paul says. Read your scriptures. Know what it means to access the power that you have within you to use all the gifts he has given you to do that which he is asking you to do, even when it looks way different than what you thought. You guys, we say it every week at the end of our services, but do you believe what it says in Ephesians 3.20, where it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, all those scenarios I have running in my head, but it's according to his power that is at work within us. According to whose power? According to his power, we are able to do more than we think we can. Be led Be in step with the Holy Spirit, church. Be listening always. It's always best if we take ourselves out of the equation, right, and let him drive. Because, as a little side note for some of us, me, if left to our own devices to deliver a word from the Lord to someone that he brings to us, like Felix, that he brought to Paul, we might interpret the above scripture passage a little bit like this. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind, a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities. Yes, I've done that. Okay. That's why I'm here in chains. Pray I proclaim this message. Live wisely among those who are not believers. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be condemning and shaming so that you will have the right response. No, that's not what it says. We don't condemn and shame. It says, let your conversation be gracious and attractive. It says that Paul reasoned with Felix. He didn't, like, let him have it. The Holy Spirit will help some of you spicy talkers out there. Yes. Okay, number three. (laughs) Be prepared to pivot your approach as the Holy Spirit leads. So Paul says in verse 4 of the Colossians, Colossians passage to pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. What I mean by pivot here is you have a fundamental shift in strategy, changing direction, but you're staying in the same vision, taking into consideration your circumstances and environment. So those of you that know basketball, you know this is most often used as a basketball term, um, where your one foot stays planted, right? So when we think about pivoting when we're sharing God's word, this foot is planted in the word that God gave you to share. That is not going to change. The truth of that, that is planted. But this foot is free to move around and to change position as needed. And when we talk about that, what I'm meaning is that sharing with someone can look different from person to person. The message itself doesn't change, but the delivery can really vary, right? Paul shared the gospel of the message of Christ with so many people, but he pivoted many, many times in how he tailored what he said based off of who he was talking to and their current um, circumstances. When he spoke to Romans, he used terms and references that would resonate with them on that level. With the Jewish people, it was what grabbed onto them and the same with the Gentiles. And one-on-one, he really locked in on the individual 100% this was spirit-led pivot. Say that with me. Spirit-led pivot. Spirit-led pivot. All right. The Holy Spirit was speaking to Paul in real time about what angle he was supposed to approach at. 
So that's why it's so important that when we speak, it is directly from the heart of God through the voice and guidance of the Holy Spirit because he's really, really good at helping us with our words. Really good. Do you want some scriptures that will help give you some confidence that the Lord's going to give you everything you need and you don't have to worry about having all the answers ahead of time? You want some scriptures? All right. Luke 21, 14 through 15. Don't worry in advance about how to answer the charges against you, for I will give you the right words and such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to reply or refute you. John 14, 26. But when the Father sends the Advocate, Holy Spirit, as my representative, he will teach you everything and remind you of how much? Everything I have told you. Luke 12, 11 through 12. And when you are brought to trial in the synagogue and before rulers and authorities, what? Don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say. For the who? Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. And then how about this last one? Oh, snap. That's all I got to say about this. Exodus 4, 10 through 12. But Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. How many of you have said that to the Lord? I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. But then the Lord asked Moses, I want you to hear this, church, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. Hallelujah. God has got this, right? Holy Spirit's got you. All you need to do is be willing to hear what he's saying and be obedient to go and speak it out. Okay, so what we've covered so far, we want to pray for opportunities. We want to prepare for opportunities. And we want to pivot our approach as the Holy Spirit leads. So we've talked about the opportunity to give a word from God's seat, Paul's seat. And now we're going to shift over here to Felix's seat. And that is the opportunity to respond to a word from God's seat. Paul drops some pretty big words on Felix while they're at this table sharing snack. These are words that the Holy Spirit has given to Paul, what we just talked about, tailored perfectly to hit right to the heart of Felix. Holy Spirit tells him to talk about, we read in 25, as he reasoned with them about righteousness and self-control and the coming day of judgment. If you read up at all about Governor Felix, you'll find that these three things that Paul just confronted him with, righteousness, self-control, and judgment, are direct challenge to the way that he's living his life. God is speaking very boldly to him through Paul right now. And then Felix is given the opportunity to respond. And what does he do? It says in verse 25, Felix became frightened and he says, Go away for now, and when it is more convenient, I will call for you again. So he puts him off, which appears to be a big strategy with Felix, because we just saw him do it earlier in his decision with Paul, right? He wants to not make a decision, and because the scripture says here in this situation, he was afraid. He became frightened. I think a lot of us find ourselves in that seat over there, 
when God speaks to us about whatever it is, Felix is dealing with some pretty serious conviction. But it can be him calling you to do something, go somewhere, say something. Something or anything that merits a response from you, me, us, when God speaks to us about that thing out of fear, we just put it off. In essence, we too say, go away for now and when it's more convenient, God, when the thing you're asking me to do isn't so scary, God, when it doesn't require so much from me, God, fear is a paralyzer and it will keep you from doing anything. And that is what happened to Felix. It says he kept calling Paul back to talk and mostly hoping that he would bribe him. But nonetheless, he had even more opportunities to respond to what God was wanting to share with him. So as a non-believer, Felix was not a believer, we can maybe pass his response off as expected. Felix doesn't have the Holy Spirit to speak to him and to stir things up inside of him. But how many of us that do know the Lord, how many of us that do have the Holy Spirit taking up residence inside of us. Whether it's through another person, across the table, or that voice that we know so well on the inside, how many of us actually respond in the same way? How many of us are missing out on our opportunity to partner with the Lord in his kingdom work? Because what we hear is making us afraid. It's too risky. It's too much. It's too much beyond ourselves. It's too big for us to even acknowledge that we could do it. But when the Lord gives you a word, church, you get to choose how you respond. We live in freedom. God's not going to force us to do anything, but when he presents you with an opportunity to respond to a word that he is speaking to you, how will you choose to respond? There's basically three ways that you can. The first one is you can just say no. You just say no. The second one is the delayed response, which is, well, I need some more time to think about this. And, oh, that's a lot. And, you know, the classic Christian response, and sometimes this is true, you guys, so please, but sometimes it's, it's a put off. Oh, I just need to pray about it. I need to pray about it when you know the Lord's already telling you what you're supposed to do. And then the last response is, let me get in the right chair. When you're in this seat and the Lord speaks a word to you, you get up and you move and you respond to that word that he's given you. There's a great saying out there that just gets me every time you guys, and I know a lot of you have heard it, but it's so true. It's delayed obedience is disobedience. When God's asking you to move and you sit in that chair thinking about it, it's disobedience. The Lord's asking you to move. So ultimately, you get to decide how to respond when you're sitting here, and you get to decide how to respond when you're sitting here. So do what he's asking you to do. (laughs) Do we know how it all turned out with Felix? No. 
And that's going to be true for a lot of us. A lot of times we don't, we don't get to know how the opportunities will play out in another person's life. But we are called simply to be obedient and faithful to our part. Both when he asks us to give that word and when he asks us to respond to that word. So worship team, you can come on up. So how about you, church, this morning? You, which seat are you in right now? Is God stirring in your heart that you need to be praying for opportunity to share from him? Maybe it's an opportunity to witness to friends or family. Maybe it's an opportunity to be an encourager. More opportunities to share those prophetic, life-giving words that the Lord is giving you. Sometimes it's as simple as texting somebody when the Lord speaks. Pastor Dan talks about it all the time. If you respond quickly, watch what happens. Or is he stirring something else right now? Maybe maybe there's something that the Lord's been speaking to you in this seat here. And maybe it's making you uncomfortable. Maybe it's stirring up some things inside of you. It's fear or anxiety or questions. It's the unknown of if I say yes to this, what what is that going to look like for me, for my family, for my job, for my finances? But nonetheless, the Lord is speaking. And you haven't responded. And if you're in that place this morning, I would say, let faith arise. The opposite of fear is faith. It's knowing that when you say yes to what the Lord's asking you to, that he's going to meet you every step of the way. And it's probably just like Paul's end when you have the opportunity to share. When you have the opportunity to respond, it's probably not going to look like how in your head it's supposed to go down. But it's going to look like God's way. It's going to look like how he wants it to look, how he needs it to look. I just, I want to sing this last worship song. And while we do, if you could just be listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. If you could ask him maybe which one is it. But I think for a lot of us, the Lord's already speaking to us right now. And maybe it's that pit in your stomach of there's that thing I've just kind of put off to the corner and the Lord's asking me to just respond. So we're just going to have some time during this song if if you want to do that. You know it's old fashioned but there's just something really cool. If you need to come down to the altar and pray we're going to give you space for that. If you want to pray with somebody and just kind of pray through that thing, our prayer team is going to be available. There's people ready to pray for you over here. Well, we're just going to worship and we're going to let the Lord just continue to speak to us this morning. And then we'll close at the end of this song. Just spend some time with the Lord right now. <laughs>